Good morning. It is a good morning, isn't it? It's a beautiful day today. It's been a great day of worship. I've really enjoyed myself all morning. We began this series a few weeks ago called Great Prayers of the Bible. If you weren't here the last two weeks, you can go online and you can listen to one of the previous prayers that we discussed. Last week, I listened to Rachel Freeney's message online when I was sitting in the airport and was really blessed by it. It was a beautiful message. Were you here last week to hear it? It was great, really great. I pray, my hope is, the next time Rachel Freeney preaches, that this building is packed from the front to the back into the foyer and into the parking lot, and that you will tell your friends to come hear our young woman preacher who can deliver the word. Because she has an authentic, genuine voice for the word, and I love her preaching. Corey's not too bad either. Yeah, they're pretty good too, yeah. We need to hear more, we need to hear more of them. Well, the prayer this week comes from a psalm that was written by King David. Psalm 51. It's a psalm of lament and remorse. In this psalm, David pulls back the curtain on his heart and lets us see inside what's going on in him. And he's letting us have a a moment to watch him pray a very intimate prayer about the depth of his brokenness and how lost he is. This prayer was written by David at a very dark moment in his life. And at the beginning of Psalm 51, uh, there at the very, very beginning, he says this line, he says, My sin, my heart, is always in front of me. I can't stop thinking about who I've become and what I've done. My heart is weighed down, it's dark and it's heavy, and it's just always there in front of me. Regardless of David's own personal situation, Every one of us, I think, can connect with this psalm. Every one of us, our hearts get weighed down by all kinds of things. There are things that we hold on to that hold us back. Things that we hold on to that hurt us and cause us to hurt others. And in this prayer that we're going to read, I'm going to focus on one part of it. What David is essentially saying here is is that my heart is so flawed, it's so corrupted, it's so broken. God, I want you to just take it out and give me a new one. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. I wonder if you've ever felt that about your own heart. You ever wondered if your heart was so flawed, so, so troubled that you couldn't fix it. You just wanted God just to take it out and and give it a new one. And David is saying here, it is so broken, it can't even be repaired. And so this is a very desperate, heartfelt prayer where David prays, he says, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. God, don't, don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. 
That's really a, a powerful thing there. He's basically saying here, this word about joy, that my heart is such a place now that I don't even feel joy in God's presence. Whereas at one time in my life, I used to be just filled with joy to be in the presence of God, to worship God, but now my, my life is so burdened, my heart is so broken, it's so flawed, it's so troubled, that all the joy is just gone from my heart. It happens. And so what he prays in here is he says, God, I, I want you to give me a willing spirit because I, I just can't do this on my own. You're going to have to give me a new heart and put a willing spirit in me because on my own I'm not going to do the right thing. And I'm going to pray you're going to give me a willing spirit to sustain me. Now this is a pretty remarkable prayer when you think about who David is and why God chose David to be the king of Israel. You know what the name David means? The name David means someone who has a heart for God. It means someone, uh, the name basically means David is a person who had a heart for God, who loved God, who sought God. And when David was picked to be king of Israel, Samuel was the one that God used to pick him. And when Samuel went and anointed David as king, he said this. He said, God says that he looks at a person's heart. People look at, a, at others' outward experience, their external experiences. We're superficial. But when God is picking someone to do his work in the world, it's not titles or positions or power that God is influenced by, but the condition of a person's heart. And when you look at David from the very beginning of his story, you see that David was, he just had this huge, big heart for God. Do you remember the story? Uh, when he was a little boy, because of the courage in his heart, he walked down into the Elah Valley, and in the Elah Valley, picked up some stones and took a sling and defended Israel against a giant. Big heart. And we see how he had a merciful heart. Uh, when King Saul was trying to kill him uh, as an enemy to the throne, David showed him mercy when he had an opportunity to kill him and just cut off a piece of his robe. And perhaps my favorite story is when David was going into Jerusalem, the city of David, when he was going to make the city of David the, the religious center of all Israel, they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David. And as they were bringing the Ark of the Covenant into the city of David, he was so filled with joy, he danced with wild abandon, with a joy-filled heart and expression of love for God. And then you read a lot of the psalms. Most of the psalms have been attributed to David. And in those psalms, you just hear him just exude with love for God. For example, Psalm 145 says, I will praise you, my God and King. I will always honor your name. I will praise you every day. I will always honor your name. Your name is great, and I'm going to tell the whole world about you. And when I tell the whole world about you, they're going to tell the rest of the world about you. Every generation is going to praise you because everything you do is always good all the time for everyone. You're, and it, it's just full of superlatives. Just, this love just keeps his heart is bursting, bursting with love for God. But by the time... We get to Psalm 51. Something's different. Something's broken. To a man who had a heart for God is now far from God. So, so I want you to see 
In this, in this prayer, this one word that's so powerful, the word create, don't just pass over it. When David says, create in me a clean heart, he's, he's doing something significant here. Because that word create is the same exact word used in the Genesis 1-1 story of the creation of the heavens and earth. And he, when he in this moment of despair and darkness, what he's doing here, he's saying, God, you know, you're the creator of the heavens and the earth. And just as you brought life into existence out of a formless, dark void of chaos, create life in my heart. This is such a hopeful word, such a hopeful word. In spite of all that David is going through, David somehow or another is able to find some measure of faith inside of himself to call on the Creator God to do something that he can't do for himself. You know, God, you, you brought the heavens and the earth, and your power is unlimited, and you have the power to even do this thing. My heart is so far from you, but I have faith and hope and optimism in you, no matter where I am, that you can do something for me that I can't do for myself. That's such a hopeful word. Because I know that you're like me and I'm like you and we're all like each other. And we just lose hope. Things just build up in our heart over time. Mistakes, failures. Some of us, when we look back at our life, we look at our, at our life with scarcity as opposed to abundance. We just see what was missing, what was lacking. We just lose hope. And sometimes we feel like, you know, I just can't change. I'm just going to be, the, this is who I am, and I'm never going to change. And we want to change, but we don't think we can change. And we're kind of just stuck in a moment that we can't get out of. You ever felt stuck in a moment you can't get out of? Anybody here today need to pray this prayer? Anybody here today need a new heart? Anybody here today holding on to something that you need to let go of? Anybody here need the Creator God to step into your life and to do something for you that you can't do for yourself? Oh, you go back and look at the psalm. The beginning of the psalm expresses the very character of who God is. God's unfailing love, God's mercy, it says, God's great compassion meets us at the point of our iniquity, our sin and our failure. The unfailing God, the Creator God, meets us at the place where we fail and we are broken. And He's calling on that power. You know, you look at the story and you go, well, why is this so important? You know why this is important? Because the Bible teaches that your heart is more than just a physical organ in your body. It's the command center. It's the base of operation. It's everything flows out of the heart and touches everything in your life. What that means, basically, is you can try to change your external behavior, but if you don't change your heart, what's in your heart is eventually going to find its way into your behavior. That's why it says in Proverbs 4.23, Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all things, guard your heart, because out of your heart flows your life. That's why Jesus said, if you want to know why we do the things that we do, look in your heart, because in your heart it's the base of how things happen. So what, what David's doing here is he says, I don't want to just change my behavior. I want to change my command center. I want to change what's inside of me. I need a fundamental reboot of my life in order to be a different person. 
Anybody need a reboot? Anybody need a new heart? I know I'm talking to somebody this morning because I know I'm talking to myself. Well, what happened to David? Let's just get on. You, you think that you got trouble? Let me tell you David's story. If you go in and you read the subscription, and I love the, the Bible just so incredibly honest. You go read the subscription to the beginning, at the beginning. There's a little subscription at the beginning of the psalm, Psalm 51, that says, This psalm was written after David was confronted by the prophet Nathan after he had an affair with Bathsheba. Now let me tell you, that's being generous with David. If you go and you look at some other subscriptions, it says something different. I love the NIV because sometimes the NIV is trying to make what should be PG-13 into something that's G. It cleans up the story. Because if you read the other subscriptions, this is just an editor adding the words to the top of the verse, explaining what he think happened. It says in other translations, this Prayer was written after the prophet Nathan confronted David after he went into Bathsheba. The reality is that this was not an affair. It was not adultery because it takes two people to have an affair. I want to make this a point. This point is so important how we continue to victimize people by continuing to interpret things from a very traditional place of power and privilege. It takes two people to have an affair. And the reality is, from everything I read in the New Testament, in the Old Testament anyway, Bathsheba was not a willing seductress. She was a victim of a crime. David used his power to take advantage of her, and it was an assault. You take this very story, you take this psalm, you take this story, you go down to the Center for Women and Families, and you read this story to, to women who are fleeing abuse, and they're going to hear the story very differently. She was the victim, not a willing participant. Can you imagine what her psalm might have been if she were allowed to write her own psalm? Now, this, is, this challenges our traditional interpretation of the story, but I want to challenge our traditional interpretation of the story because for this very reason, we have to, when we read the Bible, we need to start reading the Bible from the point of view of some of the minor characters in the story. We tend to read it from our place of privilege. And you see, when you read the Bible, the Bible expresses great love for those who are living on the margins, the poor, the oppressed, the widow, the orphan, for the abused, the troubled. And so when you begin to read the Bible from those points of view, it begins to flip the way you see the story. This story is an indictment of someone in power who uses his power to victimize others. I love the fact that this is in the Bible. The reason I point it out to you is I want you to understand then how far David had fallen and for us to begin to interpret the Bible with a little bit more humility ourselves as we interpret it. So you ask the question then, how did David fall so far? From a heart for God to a heart far from God. The same with you and me. You don't wake up one morning and then just decide to do a terrible thing. You make one big decision that destroys everybody's life. It's one small decision after another, right? You're here, here, 
here, here. You know, you don't get cholesterol and heart problems from one cheeseburger. You get it from a thousand cheeseburgers. And it's the same with David's heart. Leaders don't fall overnight. They fall slowly over time. And it's the same with your heart and mine, regardless of what it is. Let me ask you, how is your heart this morning? Swollen with pride? Broken by grief? Discouraged by disappointment? Hardened by bitterness? Guarded? Faithful? Unfaithful? Fearful? Angry? Filled with regret? Lacking joy? Wanting? Maybe your heart just doesn't feel anything. Is it bored? Let me tell you the question I've been asking this morning is, is I get up here every Sunday, 45 Sundays a year, and I preach about the power of our loving God. And I ask myself, does David, does your heart still stand in awe of God? Does your heart still stand in awe of God, of who God is? David forgot who God was. I think, I think we're distracted worshipers. I think we get so familiar with God that we forget who God is. And we put ourselves at the center of the universe and thinking that God is there to serve us. When I read this story, it makes me want to just, to just step back and remember it's about God, not about me. It's about God, not about us. And to ask God to put the awe in my heart, to put the awe in my heart for God's holiness and greatness. I know this, the world's constantly changing. Things are happening all around me. Bad things happen every day. I'm called to be courageous and to preach the word of God and to share what I believe God's word is for our world. And it's scary, it's frightening. It's the same for you to stand up and to be who you're called to be, to love, to give, to serve. And the only thing I know that's totally, completely reliable is God, who is unchanging, eternal, and awesome. We're called to serve God alone. So then the second part of this prayer, the word clean, make my heart clean, that's a good word. Clean it out, but there's a better word. I use the translation, creating me a pure heart. Do you know what that means? So we pray this prayer, we're saying, God, God, take this out of me. And give me a new heart, and I want my new heart to be pure. You know what that means? Devoted to you. Aligned with you and your purposes. Not distracted. One purposely aligned with you. And God, when you give me that heart, I want that pure heart to have a steadfast spirit that I'm going to stand up and resist temptation. I'm not going to give in. I'm not going to seek out my, my, my identity from what's around me, but from you, and I'm going to have a steadfast spirit. God, I want that heart to be filled with joy for knowing you. I want to wake up in the morning to feel joy from knowing you and draw my energy and my passion and my life from you, God, from you. And God, you're going to have to put a, spirit, put a willing spirit in me because I don't want to. I need you to make, I need you to change my wanter so that I can sustain this.
We all need a better warner. So let me challenge you. Some of you this morning need to examine the condition of your heart. Let me be Nathan to you this morning. Look at your heart. Pray this prayer. Some of you need to just give your heart to God today. Whether it's for the first time or the second time or the third time or the fourth time. And to acknowledge your, acknowledge your need for God. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door of your life, I knock. And if you open the door, I will answer. Paul says that when we become a new person in Christ, he takes all the old things away and makes us new. You know what? It's true. Then one final word. I pray this prayer not just for you, for me, but for us. Did you know that we're an us? We're an us. I've been praying all week, God, bring a spirit of renewal. Give our church, create us, give us a new heart. Put a heart in us with a passion to worship you, to serve you fearlessly and courageously, to love the unlovable, to be your church in this world, to follow you, to follow Jesus, to be your people in this world. Not the only church, but your church. Give us a passion for a commitment to exploring the Scripture fearlessly. A commitment to love one another and a passion to worship you. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me from your presence. Oh, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Grant me a willing spirit. Sustain me.